A very warm welcome back to a special episode of VET Together, where this week I'm dedicating the entire episode to taking you beyond the headlines. We're going to bust some myths and I'm going to give you all the information you need about coronavirus and our pets. Have your pens at the ready. It's time to begin. This podcast is sponsored by Zilkeen, a calming supplement made with a natural ingredient for cats and dogs. Zilkeen can help your pet cope during stressful situations such as separation, loud noises and changes to their routine. Speak to your vet today for more information. Ah, good old social media, hey? Just when you think you've got life sorted, it throws you a curveball. Well, that's exactly what's happened this morning. I had a very clear plan in my head of what we were going to talk about in this episode. And then scrolling through Instagram and Twitter this morning, it became quite apparent that there's one topic that is definitely dominating the minds and worries of pet owners. And that is because I'm sure you will have seen that we have had the first case in the UK of a cat that has tested positive for coronavirus COVID-19. So I decided actually that I'm going to change the slight order of episodes and I'm going to bring you today an episode completely and utterly dedicated to coronavirus and our pets. You could let's it's a covid special. Let's call it the covid special episode because I can sense that there's a lot of worry out there. I can see that there's a lot of misinformation out there and I can sort of maybe sense that there's a question over where people should be going to get the correct information. So today as a vet, I thought the best thing to do is to bring in the most senior person that I could possibly think of to come and talk to us about this exact uh, topic. And oh, I'm quite embarrassed that I did this, but I literally collared the president of the British Veterinary Association, Daniela Dos Santos, this morning. Um, and I asked her in between her extraordinarily busy day of interviews with radio and television talking about COVID-19 and our cats and our pets, to see whether she might just hop onto our podcast. <laughs> was enormously kind and said yes. So she offered me up a bit of time this morning and we had a really good in-depth chat on where we are and what it means that we've got this new case of COVID-19 in a cat in the UK. So I'm really hoping that this episode is just going to help those people that have still got worries or perhaps you're shielding, perhaps you're just a bit confused over what this all means in terms of pets maybe being able to contract COVID-19. And then at the end of this, I just really hope that I've given you enough clarity and an information to be able to put into place your own measures to make sure that you feel comfortable in the decisions that you're making with your pets right now. So without any further, I am going to hand over to the chat that I had with Daniela this morning and I will uh, <laughs> uh, I will see you on the other side. <laughs> okay. Now we have joining us uh, Daniela Dos Santos, the president of the British Veterinary Association. Daniela, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I can't believe I, I literally cornered you this morning and your ridiculously busy day of media interviews. And then I was kind of like, any chance you might come on our podcast? So I, Why not? Why I'm, not? I'm so grateful. It's very, it's very good of you to hop on. And thank you so much for coming to, to talk to us today about the hot topic of coronavirus, COVID-19 and our pets. Because obviously, as most people would have seen this week, the story has broken that we've had a cat in the UK test positive for COVID-19. So 
I'm going to just slightly step back. I mean, obviously, we're both vets. We can talk about this vet to vet, but I want to kind of just get it straight from sort of the facts from the BVA on where we are with things. So do you want to just give us a bit of maybe a bit of a roundup on, on what we know so far? Sure. So I think the starting point before I even start talking is there is no need to panic. Just to make that very clear to any of your listeners, there's absolutely right. no need to panic. Oh, there we go. Stop. Should we stop there? We'll go home. <laughs> <laughs> if only. If only. Uh, so uh, the, the story behind this, this um, cat was in a household where the owners were also COVID positive. So the owners were unwell with COVID. And uh, shortly after they became unwell, they noticed very mild signs in their cat. Um, they contacted their local veterinary practice, made the veterinary practice aware of their own um, their own status, and the veterinary practice carried out a number of, of tests. Now, interestingly, and I think this highlights why I'm saying we don't need to panic, actually, the veterinary practice didn't initially consider COVID. They considered the common respiratory viruses we get, we get in cats, and they tested the cat for the common respiratory viruses, and they sent it away to, to a laboratory in Glasgow. And it happened that they were doing research on it as well. So samples that were coming in, they were also testing for COVID. So the interesting thing with this case is the cat also had feline herpes virus. And James, you'll know, very common cause yeah. of respiratory sign in cats. And they happened to find the COVID as well. Now, whether the cat became sick because of COVID or, or herpes, we're not sure. But regardless, it was very mild and the cat and owners have made a complete recovery. Obviously, once the COVID was found, it had to go, you know, the test then had to go to government laboratories to confirm it. And that is how it's ended up in the in the media today. To put that into perspective then. So essentially behind the scenes, the laboratories that we as vets send loads of samples to every single day, they are automatically screening for COVID-19, maybe more so in those sort of suspect cases. But essentially, you know, it's one thing to say, we haven't got coronavirus in our pets, but unless you're actively testing for that, that's a very bold statement to make until we've got the proof. So we've got these probably thousands of samples that have gone to laboratories across the UK over however many months since COVID-19 broke. We've only so far had one positive result in a cat, which I think kind of has to put it into perspective just how, how few cats are actually genuinely suffering with this. Absolutely. And even in this case, we don't actually know if the clinical signs were due to COVID. It could have been mm. due to the herpes virus. And equally, I think a few months back, there was another large laboratory that announced, you know, they had been screening all these swabs that came into them for coronavirus as well as everything else. And they found nothing. So you're absolutely right. We have to keep this into context. This is an ultra rare event, especially when you think about how many people across the world have had yeah. COVID. How many of those people have got pets? And we've got a handful of cases across the world. And all of those cases are pets in close contact with positive people. Okay, okay. And then I think the other thing to sort of mention is, is that people that might Google coronavirus cats or, you know, feline coronavirus, there is obviously, as we know, a very common, no, another form of coronavirus that does affect our cats called feline coronavirus. And that causes feline infectious peritonitis. But that's very different to coronavirus COVID-19, isn't it? Absolutely very different. So there are hundreds of, of, co of coronaviruses across all species, you know, farm species, cats, dogs. What we're talking about now is specifically COVID-19. So, you know, Google sometimes is useful, sometimes <laughs> can put people in a, in a difficult situation. We're specifically talking about COVID-19, not any other normal feline coronavirus. Good old Dr. Google, eh? To defend Dr. Google, it sometimes does help owners put things into perspective. You know, sometimes owners worry about bothering us vets. You know that. They worry about bothering us and worry about taking up our time. And actually, we'd much rather they just came and, and spoke to us. Definitely. And we all do it, don't we? I mean, I, I, you know, I'm the worst with my own health. The first thing you do is, is Google it, you know. So I, I do totally get it. I do totally get it. 
So thinking of that in terms of this individual case, you know, to try and put that into a broader context, is this something for pet owners to to worry about? Or is it something that we should just be aware of? Is there any evidence that, for example, a cat could give COVID-19 back to an owner? No. So uh, straight answer is no. There has been no known cases of a pet transmitting it back to people. Every case we do know, which is a handful of cases across the world, has been human to their pet and not the other way, Um, which should reassure owners, because actually what we're talking about is if you have COVID-19 yourself or COVID-19 symptoms, that's when you need to take into consideration whether or not pets are affected. You don't need to worry about your cat per se randomly developing it and causing you a problem mm-hmm. okay so so the risk almost really is our cats from us it's us we need to be careful not to give our cats coronavirus not the other way around absolutely but it's just about if you have clinical signs of covid you take the sensible precautions and that extends as far as your pets as well yeah okay okay um and then there's there's this sort of talk in the media of cats or, not, or our pets acting as as surfaces you know can so we know that the the virus can't transmit from pets to human but there is this kind of worry about whether the same way that if you touch the the sort of the door handle or you're going out and about in the supermarkets can our pets act as a fomite can they kind of transfer the disease on their on their fur to other people the answer is probably but the reason i'm saying probably is we don't actually have the studies for this so we don't have studies carried out you know if, if you go and have a look there's probably studies that tell you how long the virus survives on metal or on plastic we don't have the studies for fur per se but you know it is a surface like any other so the answer is probably but again that's not a reason for alarm it it's the same sort of thought process if you were to you know, go out and, and push a door open in a supermarket, for example, or use a supermarket trolley. It comes back to hygiene. And even when you go out and about, you know, if you're out walking your dog, for example, and, and someone strokes your dog, it would have to be a very sort of series of unfortunate events, wouldn't it? You'd have mm-hmm. to have someone who doesn't know they've got COVID-19 because they shouldn't be out if they if they know they've got it. So someone who doesn't know they've got COVID-19, who has then coughed or sneezed into their hands and within a specific time frame touched your pet. And within that specific time frame before the virus dies, you've touched your pet. So it's the risks are very vanishingly small, but of course I can never say there's no risk. And it comes back to this this um, conversation we've had throughout about hygiene and, and just general precautions. And just hand washing. I think when you put it like that, that really helps put it into perspective, you know, because I think there is that generalized there is that generalized fear out there of the virus and where it can be, and it's kind of this invisible you know, this invisible force, especially now as things are easing, people, some people are very comfortable about going out and other people are still finding it very difficult to know where the boundaries are. But I think when you put it in as blunt a terms as that, you know, to have to get that series of events for you to be at significant risk of picking it up from the surface of your pets. So sort of to sort of slightly summarise all of that then. So we know that our cats, unfortunately, can potentially, or well, no, they can contract COVID-19. We can say that now from this from this cat. We don't yet know whether that then causes clinical signs or clinical disease because this cat also tested positive for another respiratory virus, which is very common in cats. We know that they can't pass it on to humans um, and that they potentially potentially could act as a surface. So for, for example, people that might be vulnerable or they still might be shielding, what I think what would be really useful now is if we maybe just talked about some proactive measures that we could we could all take to limit the risks of either us passing the virus onto our pets or potentially this this risk of them spreading it as a surface. So first of all, talking about cats then, what advice would you give cat owners that are at home now thinking, okay, what should I or shouldn't I be doing? So let's start with any owners that may be shielding. 
It's just about thinking about hand hygiene, you know, and, and, and actually this is probably good advice even outside of COVID-19, regular hand washing between touching animals, including your pets, because, you know, your cat could go outside and, I don't know, find a pile of fox feces or something like yeah. that and come up with all sorts of things. So You want to so wash your hands at the end of the exactly, day. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, if you're shielding and you have an indoor cat, actually, you probably don't need to think about it beyond what you'd normally do. If you're shielding and you have a cat that goes outdoors, please don't keep them in. There is no reason to keep okay. a cat indoors if you are shielding and you don't have COVID-19 symptoms. The risks are vanishingly small. Just think about regular hand washing. Now, if you have COVID-19 or COVID-19 symptoms, it's slightly different. And it links back to this concept of potentially the, the cat being a surface. So if you have COVID-19 symptoms or positive for COVID-19 and your cat is happy to stay indoors, keep your cat indoors. But only if your cat is happy to stay indoors. If it's not, comes back to the advice I've just given the shielding group, wash your hands frequently. Beyond that, also, just be a bit more aware of how you interact with your pets. So if you're COVID-19 positive, just think about, you know, more frequent hand washing, avoiding unnecessary contact with your pets. So if you have a particularly snuggly cat who likes to sit on your shoulder, actually, probably the worst case for your worst place for your cat to be whilst you're, you know, coughing and snuffling. And would you would you suggest people should wear masks and gloves around their cat if they are positive you know if you if you do need to if you live on your own for example and you need to get down and feed them or you need to sort of I don't know if they're regularly groomed if they're long-haired cats how far or, or do you think just just hand washing is enough so I think nothing beats good hand washing hygiene you know catching your cough or your sneeze in your tissue and throwing it straight away washing your hands nothing beats that with regards to face coverings um if you're comfortable, it's probably a good idea in the same way that we're all thinking about how we use face coverings in, in closed spaces. But equally, if there's a reason for you not to, whether that's medical, whether it's comfort, whatever, you're within your own home. So I wouldn't want to say to everyone, you have to wear a mask mm. in your own home if you have a cat. In terms of gloves, I think that's a bit of a tricky one because you and I will know, James, that gloves are only as good as you use them. Yeah, and if you put it. your gloves on, I'm not sure about gloves. I just yeah. don't think in a home environment they replace regular hand washing. No, this is it. I think PPE, I mean, PPE is something that nobody really probably even knew what PPE stood for about six months ago. Yeah. But now it's in <laughs> everybody's, you know, everybody's talking about it. And I think I, for me, I think there's, um, there's a little bit of a risk with PPE in the fact that it does, I think, offer almost a little bit of false sense of security. You know, I think if you're, if you're, there's no point putting a pair of gloves on and then touching every surface in your home, taking your gloves off and thinking, oh, it's fine because I wore gloves. You know, unless you're then washing your gloves in between, you're still touching surfaces. So, so then thinking about our cats that, you know, uh, cats that are used to going outside, suddenly being kept indoors, that can cause significant medical issues. Um, there will be those cats that you know straight away, no, my cat will never, ever do well indoors. But those middle ground cats it probably is worth maybe trying it for a couple of days, would you say, just to see whether you could keep them indoors? I think it's very, very individual to each cat, as you say. You know, I have two cats, for example. One of my cats, indoors, not a problem. I mean, she'll go outdoors if she's got access, but she's not that bothered. If I start to try and keep my other cat indoors, I end up with all sorts of problems with inappropriate urination and things yeah. like that. But keeping those indoors that, that will and are happy to is a good idea. It's about adjusting the house in a way that gives them more mental stimulation but also the ability to get away from you if they want to so hideaways yeah. are a good idea um because if you think about it when cats are out and about they're actually probably having a bit of a break from you after all <laughs> and to suddenly <laughs> to suddenly be in a house with you you know that all the time that might be stressful for them so 
hideaways are a good idea. Cats also like high places. So, um, you know, to consider, you know, cat trees and, and shelving and things like that. Fishing rod toys, brilliant idea. Um, yeah. But it's about keeping them mentally stimulated, but allowing them the space to move away if they want to yeah. as well. Yeah. And I would do that for every cat, actually. I think if, even if you think your cat is OK about being indoors, I would still put all of those measures into place. Plus the extra things like the pheromone diffusers or the, you know, they say extra litter trays, all these extra things just to just to reestablish their environment indoors. I think we'll never do any cat any harm. Um, no. It's suddenly changing its environment. It's not just a case of, of trapping your cat inside. You have to sort of put a bit of forethought into it. Um what about letting our cats out that are very sociable? So, you know, if we know that we've got a cat that likes to go to six or seven homes, should we maybe call our neighbours and say, don't let them in whilst we're COVID positive? Or does that create panic? Or is that a good idea? Oh, that's a fine line, isn't it? That's mm. a difficult one to answer. I, I would make the assumption that very, very sociable cats want to go outside. You know, you're, you, those are the cats, the cats that go and see granny down the road or, or or the teenagers and sleep on their bed those are the cats that you're going to have trouble keeping in and keeping in happily none of us unless you have a super friendly cat none of us really know what our cats do when when we let them out um and so i think i'm not sure about contacting neighbors i think it depends on what relationship you have with your neighbors because there is a risk of like you say of mass panic um when when we're talking about a risk that's vanishingly small and i think it has to be an individual case by case basis yeah okay so maybe if you know somebody down the road is particularly vulnerable and you have a very good relationship with them you might just politely say maybe I've just got a bit of a cough right now yeah just yeah, we're trying yeah, our I've best to keep him out of other people's homes and things like that yeah. but otherwise keep it in perspective very small risk and and just everybody should be washing hands anyway absolutely vices if you have a cat and i suppose that would go for if you are the sort of person that likes to sort of bend down and and give a, a cat on the street a little stroke every so often on your way out to work maybe again even if it's not your cat just think about carrying some hand sanitizer washing your hands afterwards just being mindful of the fact that every time we kind of have that sort of interaction tiny 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 risk but again we can't say it's zero risk so it's worth just having that extra forethought. Absolutely. And it comes back to my comment about um, fox feces earlier. You don't know if the <laughs> yeah. cat you've just stroked on the street have also been rumbling in things it shouldn't have done. So absolutely, you know, we're now in a situation where really most of us are carrying hand sanitizer. Most of us have got into the habit as soon as you enter a building to either use hand sanitizer or preferably wash your hands. It just comes back to that same cycle. Hygiene, hygiene, hygiene. If the cat smells of fox poo, we would definitely advise to wash your hands anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty much um okay and and another thing that some people ask about is um is wiping down our pets so i suppose this kind of crosses over to dogs as well we've got, again we've kind of i think we made it quite clear that this risk of it of the virus surviving on fur is, is is i mean is it fair to say it's minuscule it's very small risk would you suggest wiping pets down or is that a step too far i think that's a difficult one i think if we if we put it into perspective the risk is really small Cats would hate it. Cats would. Can you imagine trying to bath or wipe down an average cat? It would be a nightmare. And actually, even if there is virus in the fur, we don't know how long it lasts for, but it's not going to be for long, long periods. Because, you know, if we're talking science, it depends on the type of fur, the, the temperature, the humidity, all sorts of factors when it comes to virus survival. And actually, regularly washing your hands is the best form of protection we have. Um, in terms of dogs, I think that's slightly different. Would I be washing my dog every time or wiping my dog down every time it came back from a walk because someone had touched it? No. Would I be doing it if my dog had decided to go for a swim in a puddle? 
absolutely. So I, I think it's about keeping it in proportion. And I think the main focus has to be on your own hand hygiene, definitely. Obviously, at the moment, there's um, all this talk of cats. You know, we've just touched there upon dogs going out for walks and things. Where, where are we with dogs? What's the latest on, on our dogs for COVID-19? Sure. So, so with cats, uh, we know they can contract it and we know they can show clinical signs. All of the cases where they have shown clinical signs, it's been very mild. With dogs, actually, we're finding that they contract it, but they are not likely to show clinical signs. So to my knowledge, the dogs that we know that have contracted it have not actually shown any clinical signs, which, again, supports the fact that this is about close contact with someone. These dogs were in close contact with a COVID positive person, but they themselves didn't become ill. So, uh, so it's, it's, it's very much that our pets could potentially contract COVID-19, but they don't necessarily get ill from it. But we definitely know that they won't pass it back to people. Yeah. So there is absolutely no evidence that pets are passing COVID back to people. There is a small risk that if you have COVID yourself, you could pass it on to your pets. But the pets that have contracted it have either had no clinical signs or been very mildly affected. So I think my take home message would be don't panic. Keep washing those hands regularly. If you have symptoms, avoid unnecessary contact with your pet. And if you have any concerns at all, any at all, whether it's your cat or your dog, whether it's COVID-related symptoms or not, just a behaviour change, call your vet, have a chat with them on the phone. They'd be more than happy to talk it through with you. Very beautifully put. I think that rounds things up very nicely. I, I, That's just such a great sort of overview. And I think I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure people listening will have found that incredibly useful at the moment because, you know, people are worried and, and I just hope that that puts people's minds at rest from the headlines, basically. So thank you so, so much for coming on. Um, and again, if anybody's listening and you've got any questions, or if you've got any concerns, then I think the, the golden message is to contact your own vet and have a chat with them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I will see you again very soon. Take care. So I'm really hoping that that has given you some useful insight into how we should approach and and sort of navigate the fact that we've had this uh, cat test positive for COVID-19. Now, if you want to know more about coronavirus and uh, and our pets, the British Veterinary Association website has got a brilliant coronavirus information hub and you can find it at bva.co.uk and also follow them on social media at British Vets. And don't forget, if you've got any questions or if you've got topics that you think we should be discussing, you can send them over to me at vettogetherofficial at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at vettogetherofficial. And next episode, I promise we have got so many questions that I need to get through. Some brilliant ones from whether cats can eat avocado through through to how to stop your dog eating its own poo. So we've got plenty of topics to be getting on with. So until then, have a fantastic week and I will be checking in again with you very, very soon.